When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into a Thursday night edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad and Mike Nislik here with you as Andrew Gillis has a night off. And we've been doing some position reviews. We talked about the quarterback position, the running back position. We'll pick up on that later next week, but take a little pause. We want to kind of reflect more as we've been talking about you know, how this is the off season of the extension. We talked a lot about that with uh, Joe Burrow on Tuesday. We talked a lot about that with T Higgins last Friday. And what kind of comes to mind and people will be confused when I say this, but think about the big three with the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously it's basketball, but here's why I bring this up. You had Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, the big three, they're supposed to win all these titles, conference titles, I don't think they played more than 20 games together due to injuries, controversy, and so many other things. And now they're all basically out of Brooklyn. So you're thinking, Muhammad, why are you bringing this up about football? Well, because you think about Joe Burrow. You think about T. Higgins. You think about Jamar Chase. That's your big three. And that's one of the biggest big threes in the entire NFL, I think. And so the question is, do you focus exclusively on locking down Joe Burrow for life or do you try to lock him down with the big three to keep Higgins, to keep Chase? Again, Chase isn't eligible for an extension until next season. Higgins is. There haven't been any talks as far as we know, or we don't even know if there have been. But we saw on NFL Network, T. Higgins said that he wants to be in Cincinnati for a while. Jamar Chase was on NFL Network the day before that saying he knows what Joe Burrow wants, and that's to have his weapons with him. Of course, this is just Jamar Chase giving his take on it. So really, Mike, just to jump into it. Should the Bengals, as much as the ball is in Burrow's court, should they really try to focus on doing something that keeps the big three together for as long as possible? Or do you say, look, Joe, you're the guy, you know, and I'm sure they're going to obviously keep Jamar, you know, in the long term, but we can't completely keep everyone, including T. We're just going to keep you locked in. I mean, what do you make of this? Do you focus on the big three or you just focus on Joe Burrow and let the cards fall where they may? Well, it depends. I mean, if, what Jamar and T and, and and what Jamar said about Joe is uh, correct. I mean, if they're they're not, you know, just assuming that he's willing to take less, um, then the you know dominoes are lining up where you can keep all three. I mean, if every if all three are willing to take less to stay together, um, there's no reason why I don't think you you can try that and you could structure uh, each of the contracts to sort of um, try to maximize the rest of your roster. Um, but I mean, and and I think shared sacrifices. 
is uh, a nice way to do it. So Joe takes less, but then, you know, T and Jamar take a little bit less as well to A, all stay together, and B, to try to um, piece together the rest of the roster. Um, so, I mean, you know, what Jamar says is right about Joe Burrow, and, and T said, you know, he wants to stay and take a little bit less. I think there's no reason why you can't keep all three, and there's no reason why that would kind of make the contract for Burrow the the years any like less I, I don't think but um you know I, I, but that depends i mean it's all if they are willing to follow through and you know when the contracts are offered and those dollar amounts are lower than you know maybe they're worth you know that that's um you know see you know they'll, they'll have to do the talking when the actual the contracts are offered if you look at T. Higgins's current deal, according to Spot Track, um, his rookie deal is going into the last year of it. It's worth about just over eight and a half million, so his average salary is about over two mil. But they estimate that his market value is well worth over eighty million, which means he's worth an annual salary of twenty mil. That's a lot, and I think that's rightfully so. I mean, he showed why he's capable of not just being in his role, but like he's capable of being a number one receiver. I know Dan Orlovsky from ESPN asked him also on Thursday, I should have mentioned this too. He asked him, you know, do you think you're capable of being a number one receiver? And of course the answer is going to be yes, but he gave such a commanding yes. And one of the things he said was when Jamar Chase was out, I filled his shoes. You know, when Chase was out for four games in the middle of the year before and after the bye week with a hip injury. So he knows his worth. Um, he, he obviously knows that internally, but he means what he says and he says what he means. So he knows um, there's definitely money on the table. He's well aware of that. But like you said, though, he really wants to be in Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow, um, we talked about this, and I'm going to talk with Marissa Contepelli, the Bengals team reporter, about this here later in the show just to kind of tease that. I think Joe Burrow, to follow up on what we talked about Tuesday, Mike, I think he's that guy who, yes, he knows there's money on the table. He wants to think about his future. But as much as he believes in himself and the fact that he can play with anybody, he knows what he has with T, uh, what he has with T. He knows what he has with Jamar. I mean, we don't know about Hayden Hurst because he's the only player uh, who's a starter who's not on contract for next year, but he might want Hayden Hurst too. Like, he's probably willing to maybe leave some room open for a guy like him to stick around for at least a little bit longer, even if it's not as long as T and Jamar. I think you definitely, if you're the Bengals and if you're Joe Burrow, like if I'm looking at it from both points of view, I think you definitely have to think about the greater good. Because here's the thing. It's Cincinnati. You know, they have the sixth most cap space in the league, but this isn't a market like Dallas or Denver or L.A. where it's a bigger market and you have more money. On NFL terms, at least, Cincinnati is a smaller market. And I think they know that. And it doesn't take away from the fact that all three can get paid but it's a matter of will you be willing to take just a little less if it means you know you have each other and you know you will and can be contenders as they've been the last two years, two conference title games, a Super Bowl appearance, and only their first year together, at least the three of them were together. Um, I think you have to lean that way, but I could also see the other way around because I know uh, I want your kind of thoughts on this. Steve Spagnolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, you know, during media week this week at the Super Bowl, was someone, you know, he was saying that he compared Burrow as someone being like Tom Brady, that he can win with anybody. Um, and I think as much as T loves Cincinnati, I think people don't love leaving money on the table. I think they already know Jamar is going to get extended next year. That's a given. I mean, could you maybe understand why the Bengals try to focus more on locking down Joe and locking down Jamar and maybe – not that they're not going to give T an extension, but maybe waiting a little bit with T. Like, do you think they play the waiting game and kind of see how this year goes? Or do they think, okay, 
we just got to give T something. Like, where, where do you think they ultimately end up going with this? If you had to guess, just based on numbers well, the, and predictions. The priority, obviously, is to get Joe Burrow's contract done first so you know what you have and you know how to structure the rest because you're looking at Jamar next year. I mean, there's only a handful of teams, you know, looking on uh, spot track, the, you know, that for their wide receiver pools all together makes more than 40 million. There's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams. And I mean, you're talking about Jamar probably being able to go upwards of 30 and T at 20. Um, right. You just can't probably afford that. Like that's too much for both of them to then also fill out the rest of the receiver room and also have room for other things. So, I mean, you're probably talking about, you know, is T willing to take somewhere in the ballpark of like a, it was seventeen and a half million dollar deal, and will Jamar come down a little bit to like twenty five? Because then I think if you do, if you get both of those at those kind of annual rates, um, you could probably do it. If and if Joe takes a little bit less, I think you have you're able to kind of piece that together. But um, you know, and I don't think that's asking too much of each player. Uh, you know, because like I said, I think the, the the key is the shared sacrifice part. If everybody's willing to take like five million, you know, around five million dollars less, you could probably keep the trio together. Um, long term, is it you know the best move? Uh, you know you don't know. It's I mean you it, you you can draft a gem to replace T Higgins and and maybe it all works out. Um, but sometimes you know that that's not the easiest thing to just uh go say and do. And also you know T and Jamar are both sort of on you know only going to be on their second contract, so they're all three are ascending and not sort of close to their plateau yet. Um, so you know I I think you have some um time to you you know uh, work with that trio and, and i think they can be better together you know i don't think you're 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 not paying for what they've done you're still paying for what they're gonna do uh, a lot of times those big contracts in baseball you're kind of paying for what the, these guys did um you know in the first five seven years of their prime you know t and jamar you know still got uh, uh, some really good years here coming up so i i think if they're if they're if they're ta- if they're willing to ta- walk the walk then i think you absolutely uh, go for all three um, if if you know they're willing to do that. And I think nothing you laid out is unrealistic. They could definitely I could see all of them taking sort of that three to five million dollars less if it means playing with someone like Joe Burrow who's gonna make them compete for a Super Bowl every year. I also don't think it's unrealistic to say you know we love T T's great but we just can't maybe afford what he's asking for. Let's try to maybe fish for someone in the draft who can mirror what he did. And I don't think it's impossible. Not that T. Higgins is like your average receiver, but it's just, you know, I mean, you can always get like a right, six four, I don't six think five. Joe Burrow's gonna I don't think you ask Joe Burrow to take less and say we're gonna do draft you know, replacement for T. Higgins. I think the discussion no, is saying, like yeah. if I take but it, no no, but it's like if I take five million dollars less, what's the plan? You know, five million dollars less per year. You know, do you invest in T? I, uh, like they're going to know going into this what everyone wants. I mean, I, I think it's obvious Jamar's had conversations with about this with Joe and with T, and so like they're going to come with a plan and say like we're all together, like let's get this done. Or you know, obviously Jamar can't sign it till next year, but that would be the plan. So I don't think there's any like you don't sign Joe Burrow and then just sort of like you know in a vacuum. You you kind of evaluate what no, he wants what I mean, to do, yeah. and, and I think they, yeah. I think they take that into account, it sounds like, in terms of, you know, he's not dictating it, but I would think that if he's willing to take less, they'll listen to how he kind of 
you know, would like to see, you know, if it's contingent upon, you know, keeping T and, and T will probably, you know, have a heads up there from, from Joe that he's going to try to do that. So, um, you know, I don't think these players are not sort of communicating about what they want to do here. Yeah, no, I, that's what I, that's, that makes sense. What I meant to say was like, let's say, you know, they all go in with a plan and maybe they don't give T what he wants. And they figure, okay, we'll just focus on Joe, focus on drafting someone, whatever. But like, like you said, though, that's not going to happen without obviously all of them being, you know, not in a vacuum together, like you said, because like they're all going into this together. It's very collective. And that's a good thing because it shows like they want to be together. They want to play together. It's just a matter of can everybody get what they want? And, you know, that's why you have agents, which we are not. And so ultimately it's going to come down to them and Duke Tobin and, you know, the rest of the Bengals front office. But I really think, you know, you think about big threes, like in any sport, basketball, football, like if we're talking football, like I think this is a good comparable example that's recent. You know, you go back to 2020, uh, the Buccaneers signed Tom Brady. Granted, he is the GOAT. And is the GOAT now that he's retired, but, you know, you have him, you have Mike Evans, who I think is a future Hall of Famer. You have Chris Godwin, who maybe, I don't know if I'd put him on the elite status that I'd put like T. Higgins or Chase on, but like he's up there and he he's showing it as he's been with the Buccaneers, especially with Brady. I mean, and then you maybe actually call me crazy, switch him out and put Gronkowski in. Gronkowski comes from New England out of retirement, joins Brady. That big three, you know, had a big role in why the Buccaneers made it to the Super Bowl as a wild card team and won. And we could talk about, oh, COVID and this and that. That was a big three. And you could even say big four if you want to talk about Godwin. Um, and I get it. It's Tom Brady. You're talking about one of the greatest to ever do it. But like like I just said, Steve Spagnuolo is trying to compare, you know, Burrow in the likeness of someone like Brady, if not someone like, you know, Peyton Manning, because we've heard the Manning versus Brady comparisons with like him and Patrick Mahomes. So I absolutely think it is so imperative no matter what else happens you know, maybe you cut Joe Mixon, you don't re-sign Samaj P. Ryan, maybe move on from Hayden Hurst and draft his replacement, whether it's Mike Mayer, Luke Musgrave, whoever. I think if you can just nail those three down, pending anything else that happens with free agency in the draft at other positions, I think the Bengals are in very good shape, and they're in very good shape for a long time. Well, stay with us because, like I mentioned earlier, Marissa Contepelli, the Bengals' senior producer and team reporter, joins me to talk all things offseason as we set the stage for everything else that Mike and I haven't mentioned, plus much, much more right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thank you for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Joining me is my very, very special guest, Bengals' team reporter and senior producer, Marissa Contepelli, who I got to know very well this season. Marissa, been being doing this for a while, so I appreciate you joining me. How are you? How is the off-season, if we really even want to call it an off-season, if that's such a word? I know, right? Like, in the NFL, there is never truly an off-season, but, but no, it's been good, of course. You know, wish we would have still been going this week, but it's been nice to have a little bit of downtime, rest and relaxation, getting recharged for what is going to be a fun um, combine free agency draft period here coming up. So a lot of exciting things on the horizon. And yeah, just kind of um, getting getting the buttons on and the battery recharged because it's going to be, you know, a whirlwind here before we know it once we kind of get, you know, back into the swing of things. Yeah, perfectly well stated. Could not have summed that up any better. And like you said, it is going to be a whirlwind before we know it. The combine is in just Mm -hmm. over three weeks, uh, probably less than that at this point if I look at the calendar. But yeah, things are moving. Got the combine, free agencies, uh, just a little over a week after that. 
Um, and that's really been, I think, a big emphasis for the Bengals is, you know, what's going to happen with a lot of their big names like Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Jermaine Pratt, you know, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've talked with Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislick about it. You know, kind of the estimation we have is we don't know that the Bengals would bring back Jesse Bates or Jermaine Pratt more so because, you know, we kind of call this the offseason of the extension because you got Joe Burrow's extension coming up. T. Higgins could be uh, up for an extension here soon. Um, what do you think is going to be sort of the emphasis in free agency? You know, where, where do you think the Bengals try to focus uh, retaining certain pieces and where do you think they might have to let some guys walk to kind of let things play out, you know, going into the draft and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, Muhammad, that's the big question. That's the biggest question, I think, going into this offseason is what is free agency going to look like for this team? And, you know, I think you kind of hit it right on the head is that retaining some of those valuable assets that the team has had, especially on the defensive side, um, has to be, you know, a high priority. So realistically, are they going to be able to bring back um every single free agent that was on this team from this year, most likely not. I would be surprised if that did happen. Um, Just the way, you know, money works and, um, you know, trying to navigate through what different contracts could potentially look like. But I mean, when you look at, you have Jesse Bates, Jermaine Pratt, Von Bell, those are really, you know, the three big ones that stick out in my mind. Um, I would expect at least one of them to return. Which one? Um, It'll be interesting to see just kind of how it plays out. Um, And, you know, what, other pieces, um, you know, could be available in free agency who, who else could become available. So, um, you know, a lot to be seen on that side. And then, I mean, you look at the offensive side too. I mean, Hayden Hurst, I would be surprised if he's not back in stripes next year. Uh, I thought he had a phenomenal year and just the way he talks about this coaching staff and the organization. Um, I can't see Hayden playing anywhere else. I, I think he's meant to be in Cincinnati and is meant to be a Bengal. So I would fully, you know, would hope that the team, you know, decides to, to bring him back too. But uh, extensions, I mean, oh my goodness, this is going to be the year of so much talk about Joe Burrow extension, T Higgins, as you mentioned. And then another one is Logan Wilson. I mean, he's another player I think you have to look at making an extension to because how do you not want to keep him um, a Cincinnati Bengal as well, right? Yeah, I'm actually glad you mentioned Logan Wilson. He is also entering his final year of his rookie contract, so he is eligible for an extension. But I want to ask you this, though. So like you said, with free agency, will they bring everyone back? Probably not. I'd be just as amazed if somehow you bring back every single key piece that I just kind of listed there. Um, but, you know, with the extensions, Joe Burrow, is a, that's going to be a done deal. That's a no-brainer. I'd say T. Higgins, if I had to guess, is a kind of a 50-50 toss-up. But do you think we could see a Logan Wilson extension? Because I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I haven't really brought this up much because maybe I've focused more on you know T. Higgins and Joe Burrow. But what do you think happens with Wilson? Do you think he gets an extension or do you think they wait until next year and maybe pay him more next year once they kind of get this offseason figured out? Or what do you think that'll look like? Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of it will have to do with what happens with Joe Burrow and those extension talks, because I'd have to think if they were able to get something done this offseason, then they could potentially look at extending Logan this year instead of waiting until next year. Um, I would be shocked if an extension with Logan Wilson isn't on the table at some point here um, within the next year, whether it's this offseason or waiting until next year. But you know, also why run the risk of waiting another year? Why not just kind of, you know, get that done and, and get that taken care of while it's, you know, right in front of you? So, I mean, I think that one's a no-brainer. Logan has played just incredibly well. You know, you just look at his stats. I mean, he's 
I believe he did not have an interception this year, but he still has the most interceptions. He did have for a line one. He did have one interception. One? Okay, one interception. Yeah. So one, but it still has the most um, for a linebacker since he was drafted. He's a three-down linebacker. He never comes off the field. It's a play caller. So it just it's a no-brainer to keep him here in Cincinnati, whatever that takes. Yeah, and I think like you mentioned, Marissa, um, that makes a lot of sense. You know, to where Logan Wilson, he was that third-down linebacker. He's very versatile. He's shown that in three seasons. I think it would make more sense to extend him and keep him long-term, maybe let Jermaine Pratt walk, since I think he wants to be more of a third-down linebacker. He's made that known this year. Um, and I think he knows there might be more money on the table elsewhere that he might not want to leave, which I think in his case I could definitely understand since, you know, as a contract year, he wants to increase his value. And I think he definitely did do that. Um, he played just as well as Logan Wilson um, in a different sense. I think he was more of an on-the-ball defender, whereas Logan Wilson was more of your tackling machine. Doesn't mean one's better than the other, but I think they just both complemented each other so well. But to go back to the Joe Burrow extension question, there was an interesting thing that Jamar Chase told Andrew Siciliano on NFL Network, which is that, you know, it'll figure itself out. It'll work itself out. And he kind of maybe gave something away and said, I think he knows he wants to have his weapons with him. So although only Joe Burrow and his agent in the front office know better than us, could you see a situation where maybe Joe Burrow isn't, you know, he doesn't mind maybe not making what Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson makes, but he at least is paid well enough to where he still has Jamar Chase, still has T. Higgins. Or do you think it's going to be more about, hey, like, I'm one of the best players in the league. Like, make me a top five player. Like, if you kind of had to guess based on what Jamar said and what others are saying, what, like, what do you kind of make of that? Speculation on my part and just, at, like you said, an absolute guess because I have no insider information when it comes to this. <laughs> uh, just, knowing, just knowing Joe and the type of person Joe is, Joe's a winner. He wants to win. You have to have pieces around you to be able to do that. Um, you can make all the money in the world, and we've seen that with different quarterbacks and different contracts, but when you don't have you know, the necessary weapons and pieces, you're only going to get so far. So it would not surprise me one bit if what Jamar said, you know, does come to light and that Burrow ends up taking a, you know, structuring his contract that allows the Bengals to have a little bit more flexibility and, you know, money and funds to be able to, to pay different players, you know, whatever it might take. Um, but it also wouldn't surprise me if he kind of goes the other way because it's a lot of money you're leaving on the table when you think about your future and your family and in life after football and setting yourself up for that. So right. it's, it's a tough one. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer when it comes, you know, either way, it's just going to be, what is Joe going to decide? Um, it, it's kind of of most importance to him right now um, at this time. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see just kind of how it plays out and how much, winning a Super Bowl, having those certain pieces in place do come to, into play for Joe Burrow. Um, but you also have to remember the Bengals have drafted extremely well over the last few years. Um, and so, so many of those pieces are here on rookie deals. So um, it doesn't mean that they can't go into the draft and, you know, and find another weapon, another valuable key piece uh, to help contribute to if, if um, you know, however it ends up playing out with, uh, with Joe's contract. Yeah, you know, the ball, I think, really uh, is in his court at this point. You know, does he want to go for the long ball? Does he want to kind of get that, you know, $45, $50 million a year guaranteed, kind of like you see from Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, Watson? Or, you know, does he want to be kind of closer to, like, what Josh Allen is making, kind of in that court, closer to 38 a year, um, and have that flexibility to keep Jamar, to keep T, and 
I mean, because he's such a winner, I'm sure he's probably thinking about the fact that, like you mentioned, Logan Wilson's up for an extension. Like, I think he's digging even beyond his own weapons and his own team because that's the thing. Like, Joe's not just the leader of the offense. Like, he's the leader of the locker room. He's the leader of the team. And I think, you know, it kind of reminds me of, like, what Tom Brady did when he was in New England. You know, he did not get rich when he played in New England. He didn't even get rich in Tampa Bay. I mean, obviously he had his money through his TB12 brand and his Under Armour endorsements. So, I don't know what Joe Burrow was thinking on that sense, but like if he wanted the money maybe elsewhere in endorsements, I think he'd have no issue with that. So he could maybe set up his contract where you have those like odd years, kind of like Brady had, because that's what helped the Patriots get Rob Gronkowski and a lot of those other weapons that basically built a dynasty. I think that's what Joe Burrow wants. Like, you know, he said the championship window is his whole career. You know, Tom Brady said the same thing along those lines when he was Burroughs' age back in his prime. So that's what he wants. You know, I mean, the money is definitely there and you have to think about your family. And that's a great point. I also think he's just kind of kind of weigh it to where he also knows what's best for the team. And that's, I think, what really shows this team hit the jackpot with him, not just with his talent, but the fact that, like, he's so unselfish. He's so centered on the team over himself. Uh, I think maybe that's not something that people are overlooking, but it's it's just worth mentioning because that's part of why, like, he's an MVP finalist and why I think, I told Andrew and Mike this, I think he'll be the preseason favorite for MVP. Do you, do you agree with that assessment? Do you think Burrow could be the preseason favorite next year? I don't see why he wouldn't be. I mean, everything he's done over the last two seasons, um, he just continues to rise. I mean, it would not shock me. He should be on that list. He should be one of the favorites um, for preseason MVP, especially when you look at, um, you know, who's coming back for the Bengals, too. And kind of once the team starts to take shape a little bit, uh, he absolutely should be in that conversation. And, well, I just want to go back to what you're just saying about Joe and just that he's so unselfish. Like, he's really a team first guy. And you could not have said that better. Like, it's just, it amazes me, like, from from Joe Burrow right down, um, you know, through the entire 53 and even the coaching staff, there are no egos in this locker room. And it is just, I feel like, such such a blessing to have here because that's not the case everywhere. And every guy, um, especially on the veterans that I've talked to, have said it makes such a big difference um, when you have unselfish guys who truly just want to win, who want to play with one another, do what's best for the team. And it's a huge reason why this culture shift that Zach Taylor and the front office staff, um, you know, wanted to bring in when Zach came here in 2019. And it just it took a couple of years to get to this point. And it, we really start, uh, saw it start to take shape last season um, in the Super Bowl run. And I feel like it took an even step further this year um, with this team was just so special. And I mean, it just it starts it starts with your the face of your franchise and your quarterback. And Joe Burrow has just absolutely set that tone. For, for what this locker room is and, and what the culture, you know, is, is really here in Cincinnati. And it's a great thing to see. People, you know, like to say, oh, culture so cliche. Leadership is so cliche. But I think you <laughs> have to make an exception with this because mm-hmm. I've never been in other NFL locker rooms. This is the first and only NFL team I've covered. But you could just tell whether it's, you know, you know, someone like Joe Burrow, whose career is so storied for as young as he is, or whether it's someone on the practice squad or maybe someone who elevated himself from the practice squad, like Trent Irwin or a veteran like Tyler Boyd, like Tyler Boyd always says, like, we're going to win because we have Joe Burrow. Like those are his exact words. Trent Irwin has kind of said something along those lines too. And you think about where he was being on the practice squad for almost three years until, you know, he got the nod in the middle of the season and it, it paid dividends. Like it is not a cliche thing to say. I think there's such a case to be made that, you know, when you're in a, such a professional league that's so competitive, it's so cutthroat, 
you know, without calling out other teams, like you will see some egos on other franchises and other teams, and that's where you have problems. And sometimes you can have so much talent, but a lot of those teams can't materialize, not because they're not good, but because they can't find a way to bring everything together. Like we've seen this happen with some really good teams in the last decade and even historically before that. And so I want to kind of maybe wrap up with this to, you know, follow up on that. You talk about the culture and the leadership and how like Joe Burrow has set the stage of like, you know, players like Ted Karras. You mentioned Hayden Hurst, like guys like that want to come to Cincinnati. Like Hayden Hurst said he wanted to come to Cincinnati because he saw the Super Bowl run they made last year while he was sitting in Florida during the offseason. How do you see that boosting potential free agent signings, you know, this coming March, no matter who stays or goes? Like if they bring in other guys, how much of a factor do you think that is? as far as maybe why other guys might want to sign with the Bengals, even if they're not making the most money, but just to come win because you got a guy like Joe Burrow and you got someone like Zach Taylor. Oh, it's huge. I think it's everything. Um, outside of, I know money talks in this league, it's it's tough to turn down when you're making X amount of million dollars, right? But when you have the opportunity to go play for a contender, let alone a contender that has the type of quarterback that the Bengals do, the type of head coach that the Bengals do, and just the overall... Like, again, again, I know it's cliche, but that culture, just the closeness of this team, it's a no-brainer. I mean, why would free agents want to come here? And I know I feel like I kind of joked about it last year. I was like, oh, it's the Joe Burrow effect, but it really is the Joe Burrow effect. (laughs) I mean, um, I just, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, we saw it last year when the Bengals were able to get Hayden Hurst, Ted Karras, Lil Collins, uh, Alex Kappa, and just... So many different key free agent pieces. And even the year before with Trey Hendrickson, DJ Reader coming in in 2020. Um, I mean, Mike Hilton, uh, Von Bell, Chube Awuzier. It's it's that Joe Burrow effect where these players, and I think players around the league, I think they can tell just how special of a player Joe Burrow is and what he brings to the table on a day-in and day-out basis. And when you have someone like that at the forefront of your team, a leader in this locker room. Um, it just, why wouldn't you want to play along someone like that? I, I feel like it's just, it's a no brainer. And that's why you can never talk anyone to death when you bring up a guy like Joe Burrow, because you, you could just go on and on and on and on. And you're just going to be so intrigued. Like he's just such a fascinating figure from his leadership standpoint, how he balances his confidence with, you know, mm-hmm. his humility. I mean, I'm actually I'll kind of give this away to some of our listeners. I'm working on a little special piece on kind of his leadership effect from a leadership point of view. So stay tuned for that in the coming weeks. But you couldn't have said it better, Marissa. Wish we had more time on this podcast, but always a special time with you. So glad I got to meet you this year. And uh, this is going to be the first of many more conversations to come, especially in the off season. But once again, that's Marissa Contepelli, Bengals team reporter and senior producer. You can catch her on Twitter. Is it Bengals Marissa? Is that your Twitter handle? It is. Bengals Marissa. Catch her on Twitter at Bengals Marissa. Marissa, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mohammed. Love joining you today. And yeah, hopefully we're, we're able to connect a couple more times before the season gets going again. Likewise, likewise. And thanks for staying with us on this off-season, off-season edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. So, Mike, I was just with Marissa Contepelli, the Bengals uh, team reporter, and we talked about the extensions of Joe Burrow, the possible extension of T. Higgins, and there's one name we didn't mention earlier in the show that I don't think we talked a lot about last week, and that's Logan Wilson, 
who obviously we're talking offense, he's a linebacker. He's also eligible for an extension. He's got the last year of his rookie deal coming up. I think it's an absolute dream to hope that you could extend Logan Wilson, Antti Higgins, and Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase in mind for 2024. Um, but that's a lot to ask for. Like, it's a lot to ask for Chase, Burrow, and Higgins. I think asking for Wilson is like a miracle. And obviously, we've talked about Jermaine Pratt. It seems like the writing's on the wall. He's not going to be returning. It looks like they're going to let him walk if we had to guess, as we've said. But is it just like a fairy dream to just hope that you get all those guys and Logan Wilson? Or do you think maybe, you know, there's a possibility where you extend his fifth-year option and then maybe next year you kind of revisit that? Like, where do you think Logan Wilson fits in the grand picture of, you know, this whole offseason of extensions? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't know that he's a player that is, you know, what what his worth is. He's good, um, but like, you know, the linebackers that t- tend to get paid are ones that you know are sort of game wreckers. You know, that um, uh, can rush the quarterback. Um, you know, have that more of a, a pass rushing capability. Um, you know, he's more of a guy that you use in coverage that can cover the field. That's um, you know stout against the run, but. I, I don't know what the value is there. Like, is he what? What is he going to be looking for? What he's worth? You know, I certainly don't think that he's going to be kind of one of those, you know, top twenty guys uh, at, at the position. I feel like he'd be outside of that. Um, you know, obviously he's an important part of the defense. Do you want to start over at linebacker? Um, you know, it, within you know a, a two-year stretch. I don't probably don't. Uh, but you also, I, you know, obviously you mentioned, you know, limited funds uh, with some of the other defensive contracts. You know, I think if you can get them, you know, is it, is it $12 million a year? Is, is that worth it to try to sign them? Or do you, can you draft somebody this year uh, as his eventual replacement? I think that's a possibility where, you know, they did that last year with Dax Hill and uh, Cam Taylor-Britt where they sort of drafted the, the veterans replacement. Um, Logan's a little younger than the guys that, um, you know, well, Eli Apple but, um, you know, that could be the path they go down to try to save some money because, you know, they're going to have to cut costs at some positions, and, and can you afford that linebacker? Uh, you know, I think in, in Lou and Rumo's defense, you know, uh, the secondary is so important. Um, you know, I, I think he can kind of get by with trying to tr- train linebackers. Um, a lot of them have similar skill sets um, just, you know, in terms of being able to cover the field as Logan Wilson instead of being those guys that – um, you know, just wreck defensive fronts like a, a Cleo Mack or a, a Joey Bosa type, you know, you know somebody like that. Um, you know, he's I, I don't think he's in the level of a Rokon Smith, but um, he's certainly a, a capable and defendable player. But it'll just be, you know, I just don't know what that worth is anymore at a middle linebacker. It's a position that's that's obviously changed over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. The Bengals got a steal with Logan Wilson because he's got a pretty cheap rookie contract. It's a four-year deal that's worth just under $5 million. Um, last year was the first year he made over a million in his base salary, um, unless you want to include other years where he made less than that, but you added a signing bonus. But yeah, he just made over a million dollars in his base salary. The market value, according to Spot Track, his projection market value-wise is $9.4 million annually, which would only make him like the 30th richest linebacker. Because like you said, I mean, we're not talking about a Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack or I think a better example because we're talking inside linebacker, Roquan Smith, who ooh, he got a boatload uh, in Baltimore. He's not going anywhere. Uh, and I think he's probably, with respect to Wilson, the best linebacker in the AFC North. But I don't know. I think 
on the one hand, you look at it as like, you know, they're not going to bring back Jesse Bates. That writing's on the wall. We've talked about Jermaine Pratt. You know, are Chase and Higgins willing to take a little bit of a pay cut? And is Burrow, maybe this is a stretch, is he thinking far enough to where he doesn't want to just keep, you know, a Higgins or a Chase? Like, does he realize how much value someone like Logan Wilson brings? I think that might be a stretch because then it's like, well, what about Trey Hendrickson? What about DJ Reader? Like, eventually, as much as Joe Burrow is very unselfish, undoubtedly so, and wants to think about keeping everyone, he also knows that he's got to look out for his own, look out for himself. And I know the Bengals would agree with that too. I mean, if you want to even consider an extension or at least a fifth-year option, you know, like we said, he's more of a three-down back than Jermaine Pratt was. Um, they were both good in coverage. I think Pratt was a little better, but where Wilson exploded was he was a versatile tackler. His tackling took off in the second half of the year, even as he battled a shoulder injury before the bye week. Um, but again, though, on the other side of that, like it's wishful thinking to really pay someone like that, you know, anywhere near maybe that 9.4 mil or maybe somewhere in that projection. You know, you have Akeem Davis Gaither, you have Joe Bocci and Marcus Bailey. Marcus Bailey's been used in sub packages. You can get him more reps. I think Akeem Davis Gaither is worthy of being a starter, and we could talk more about him next week when we do our positional roundups. And again, like, you know, the draft is a draft. You can always uh, look for some talent in the draft. And I think there's some pretty good linebackers in the draft, which we can talk about in the future. We talked a little bit about that with uh, the senior bowl that just wrapped up. So it's wishful thinking. It's not out of the possibility, but I don't think it's the end of the world if you can't extend him or keep him beyond the fifth year option. So I think that's just the most sensible solution. And again, he's a great linebacker for all we know, if he has an outstanding year that's way beyond what he did the last two years that value could go up and then it's like eh, it's gonna be really tough like he might be in a Jermaine Pratt situation where he's in the contract year and he has a killer year like Pratt had and then it's like might have to let him walk so I think the cards will kind of lay themselves out there but just to kind of wrap up we're taping this on a Tuesday night and so uh, the NFL honors Hall of Fame announcements are going to be later tonight um, of course for Bengals fans they're keeping their eyes on uh, former cornerback Ken Riley and former tackle Willie Anderson, uh, who could be selected for all we know. Uh, Anderson's one of the 15 finalists on the ballot. Uh, Riley is a senior finalist. Um, he'd be posthumously inducted since he passed away in 2020. But if you kind of had to make your own, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, Mike, but if you had to make your own Hall of Fame ballot, like, you know, who are you picking? I saw Joe Thomas is on the list. You got Patrick Willis got a few other guys in between like you know you've seen a lot of these guys in their prime like who, who would you kind of pick and do you put Riley or Anderson in that list somewhere along the way um I'm looking at the list uh you know I th- we talked about this earlier in the year and, and I, I meant you know I, I thought Devin Hester is certainly deserving um that's a good one a specialist to um change the game I don't know that he'll get enough uh attention I think the guy that kind of stands out um on on the ballot this year is, is Reggie Wayne. Um, just what he did with Peyton Manning and the longevity, um, you know, played from 2001 to 2014. Um, you know, it, it's certainly uh, a, a deserve, you know, I think has the numbers and obviously, um, you know, it's cr- critical to Peyton Manning's success uh, throughout the years in Indianapolis. Um, just kind of trying to see. I don't know how many uh, votes that each person gets or whatever, but um, I guess the next person would, you know, an offensive line is, is Joe Thomas. You know, I was going to say Joe Thomas. Thomas. 
uh, you know, had a huge impact. Obviously, the success of that organization wasn't uh, where 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 it was at with some others on this list, but um, he might be like the next guy that would be on my personal ballot. But um, yeah, those probably are the three that I would say. Yeah, I think, and um, nothing against Willie Anderson, but I think what might make it tough for him is, you know, when you got Joe Thomas on the other side of that ballot. It's a little tough. And granted, you know, this is the second time Anderson's been a finalist for the Hall of Fame. It's his 10th year of eligibility because he's been retired since 2008. But, I mean, Joe Thomas did a lot with very little, like you said. I mean, so did Anderson technically, but Anderson at least made a playoff. And he backed up, you know, two Pro Bowl running backs like Corey Dillon and Rudy Johnson. I mean, who did Joe Thomas have with him? Like a million gazillion quarterbacks and running backs. So unless you want to count Peyton Hillis, but even then. Like, that's still a lot for one guy to do on their own. I think Darrell Rivas really sticks out. I mean, for me, like, I grew up when he was kind of in his prime with the Jets. And then, you know, he goes to New England, wins a Super Bowl, kind of wraps up his career with uh, Tampa Bay. I think, yeah, if, if you're talking a defensive back, and again, this is maybe where it might be tough for Ken Riley, but I could see Rivas getting that. Uh, Riley's in a different situation because he needs 80% of the votes from the, you know, finalist committee uh, because he's in kind of a interesting category. But... If I had to pick one Bengal, like if I think it's going to be Anderson or Riley, I would say Riley just because, again, I think with Anderson, it's it's a really deep class that includes Joe Thomas. The thing about Riley that people forget is he is tied for the fifth most interceptions in the league. Do you know who's tied with him, Mike, for the most inter- fifth most interceptions in the league? You probably know this name. He's a household name. I do not. Just retired recently. I do not. It's Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson is tied with him for 65 picks. Um, and, and you know, Woodson actually is already in the Hall of Fame. He got inducted about two years ago. So, I mean, you're up there with a guy like Charles Woodson and the other four guys uh, ahead of recently Riley. Retired. Is doing, recently is doing a lot of work. He retired in 2016. Just, just I mean, It's like, what, half a decade ago is recent to me. He, he, he retired, you know, within the last couple of years in 2016. No, that's not recently. That's like recent almost... inductee, recent inductee. Cause he's only been in for like what, two he years he now. Retired recently. He didn't say he was a recent inductee. You said he retired recently. Recently retired within the half decade, five years ago, but more recently, more recently inducted there. I, I, cl- I clarified it. <laughs> Maybe my definition of recent is more broad, but to each their own. But yeah, I mean, when you're in company with like Charles Woodson and you only have guys like Paul Krause, who's the all-time leader and picks ahead of you, I think you have to look at what he did. I mean, he's a three-time All-Pro. Again, he never made a Pro Bowl, but he played in the Super Bowl when the Bengals won their first AFC title. Uh, he defended some of the best quarterbacks in NFL history in the 70s. I mean, you think about some of the guys on the other side of the ball, like Ken Stabler and Terry Bradshaw, like going against guys like that. That's a tall task, so I don't know. That's that's just me making a case for him. But I do think at some point, uh, Willie Anderson will get in. If it's not this year, he will get his time soon. But we won't know till we find out tonight, so we'll definitely keep our eyes on that. But uh, tomorrow, a.k.a. Friday, Andrew Gillis will join us as we talk about the Super Bowl, the game the Bengals aren't in, but we're going to talk about it anyway, talk more free agency, more offseason as we set the stage for the rest of the month. But once again, for myself and Mike Nislik, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Have a great rest of the day.